you will hear tons of podcasts with Hollywood people, Washington people, New York people. I enjoy talking to just, how about real people who don't make up some kind of song and dance, who are not performing. They're just engaging in conversation. They're the kind of people you'd meet at the diner. Uh, you would meet this week's guest at the diner because she works there. She works at one of my favorite diners, and I'm not going to mention it because I may be talking to the owner, and then I'll I'll mention it. But you know, the liver mush is it's a nice fillet of liver mush, a nice center cut liver mush they serve there, um, and nice crispy. You know, good good fortifying food, biscuits, you know, biscuits and gravy and that kind of thing. And when I first met her, she made up a name. You'll hear it in the interview. <laughs> and she said her name was Rebecca. It's not Rebecca. And so me and my buddy Matt, who since moved to Texas, Matt made up a hip-hop name for her, which was Lil Brecky like breakfast, little brekkie. And so we started calling her a little brekkie, but her actual name is Hannah. And um, she was full of surprises. This is the kind of thing you find out when you talk to someone at the diner. You just pause for a little bit during her break. She's sitting at a table and chatting with another waitress who you'll hear off camera and and... This is what happens when you actually listen to somebody about her story. There's a lot to her. Hannah Wilson. Honestly, I kind of started to give up praying for that because it was just, I wasn't seeing anything. This is In Her Words, a podcast from manlisting.com. Featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In her words, a conversation worth hearing because every woman deserves to be heard. Hey there, hi there, ho there. It's Stuart Watson, and this week's episode of In Her Words, my podcast, Pippin Stop That. Pippin is in, in the big production studios here, which is basically my closet. Pippin, Pippin to Pop. And um, he likes to eat my shoes and chew on whatever it is. He's about seven months old. Anyway, this week's guest, Hannah Wilson. Uh, I talked to her inside the diner. So if you hate Christmas carols like I do, just try to ignore the background noise. She's got a great story. Thank you, Hannah. Where were you born? Hawaii. Hospital or home? I believe I was born in a hospital. I'm not positive, though. Were your parents in the military? My dad was in the Army. And that's what took him to Hawaii? Yeah, so he had um, the choice of either going to Hawaii or Germany, so my parents chose Hawaii. I would choose Hawaii over Germany. <laughs> I just wish I remembered it. Do you ever go back there? No. No. I don't you like want to go back there? I don't want to fly, no. Or be on an island. It's kind of scary to think about. How do you feel about cruises? You could cruise there. No, I do not do boats. 
What if you were teleported there? To a cruise? Teleported to Hawaii. I mean, is the transportation the issue? Because I think we can get over that. I mean, maybe, but then I'd still be on an island. Do you like the beach? I love the beach. What if you were there and you didn't know you were on an island? I feel like I'd get inside my own head and then realize it. I don't know. Don't you think it's paradise? No, it's terrifying. What's terrifying about being on an island? What if, like, there was a tsunami or something? You would have nowhere to go. Sounds like a good time to me. (laughs) (laughs) Where were you in the birth order for your mom? I was the last. So my mom and dad each had a son before they got married, and then they had two sets of twins. So my older sister and my older brother, they were first set of twins, and then me and my twin were the second set of twins. And does your twin live around here? No, all my siblings live in upstate New York. Whereabouts? My wife's from there. Um, like half an hour from the border to Canada, um, like two hours north of Syracuse. Oh, my word. That's like Watertown? That's like on the Thousand Islands? Yes, yes it is. It's beautiful up there. Yeah, it is. It's like a just a small little country town. Amish people driving on the roads or buggies and horses. Were, they, were your parents Amish or how did they wind up there? No, um, my mom is from Watertown. Um, that's where she was born and raised. But um, my dad was stationed at Fort Drum when he had gotten out of the military. And then so we just lived up in that area. Um, His counselor that he had after he had gotten out of the military found us a home in Canton, New York. Um, So we just kind of stayed in that area. Um, What did your dad do when he got out of the military? Um, He tried doing different things. um, But he had... um, He had some injuries with his neck and stuff like that, but then his PTSD, he's 100% disabled, so he's struggled with that. Um, Did he serve in a combat theater? He's in the um, infantry in the Army, Um, so he went on four tours. I think he went to um, Somalia, Afghanistan, and Iraq, and I think he went to Iraq twice. Was his PTSD ever resolved? No, he still struggles with it. Um, Did he find anything that seemed to help? There's so many new therapies now. Yeah, he was in um, therapy with... um, He was a veteran himself. His counselor was for a little while, and they did something. I think it was called... um, Was it DBT or something? Mm -hmm. Um, There's also something called EMDR. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. So he did that. I'm not sure how that how that did with him. Um, but he's, he's kind of like waves. He does good for a little while, and then he doesn't, so. It's hard to watch. Yeah, it was. And growing up, after he had gotten out, like, he, he's an alcoholic. So after he had gotten out, he was drinking a lot. And um, it's just kind of hard does he still drink he is sober right now um i think he's about a month month and a half sober um he had just gotten a dwi last month or whenever it was and um it's just kind of a mess but he is in um this um 
it's like a rehabilitation thing for veterans or whatever. So my brother's done that. Okay. Yeah. So he's in that right now. So they're helping him to stay sober. Um, they're about to get him into a home. He was, was in a veteran's home with other veterans, but now he's about to go in his own home by himself, but it's still through that organization. By definition, this makes you the adult child of an alcoholic. Um, do you notice anything about yourself by virtue of being the adult child of an alcoholic? Yeah, so I find myself always wanting to take care of people and help people. Um, it's kind of crazy because I feel like I've done that for a while. Um, I've really been on my own since I was 16. My parents split up and it was ugly. My mom moved away and then my dad came down here to North Carolina and I lived with my ex-boyfriend his family till I was 18. Um, so I wasn't really on my own at 16, but kind of. And then at 18, I was by myself. So, um, Were you working? Yeah, I was. I, at that point in my life, I had lost like the good head I had on my shoulders. Um, so I was working and quitting and working and quitting and couldn't really hold down a job. Um, do you have a high school degree? I do. Yes, I do. I graduated in 2015. Where'd you go to school? Um, to um, H.C. Williams Senior High School in um, Canton. Oh, okay. So you graduated up in New York. Yes, I moved here in 2017 when I was 20. Okay. Yeah. You're a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like it. I feel like I'm 70 years old. So you're 26, 27? I'm 26. I'll be 27 February. You're my son's age. So that means you're Gen Z. Am I? You're a Zoomer. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, do you identify with a certain generation, like characteristics of that? I don't know. I don't. I feel like the younger Gen Z are way different than me. Like, I don't know. I feel like the language and the way they act and... Um, like what? What's an example? Well, I would say the lack of wanting to work, but I was there at one point, so um, I don't know. I think a lot of it just comes with maturity, I guess. I don't know. You work hard now. I do. I, I mean, I, I have to, so, I mean, I don't know. But you seem, you have a smile on your face. You have a decent attitude. You're not in here sulking. No, no. I mean, I sometimes get that way, but it's it's hard to get out of the pit once you get in it. So to sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. And when you do that, it just kind of is real, I guess. I don't know how to explain it. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um. Well, I had wanted to be a um, Christian counselor, mental health counselor. And I was in college for that. I got my associate's degree, and then I was working towards my bachelor's degree. But I had to drop out, um, just being able to work and afford it, take classes and stuff like that. So maybe someday down the road I can get back into it. There are ways of getting scholarships to get you back on track, if you're interested in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely want to. I, I mean, I... I don't hate what I do now, but it's not what I feel like the Lord is calling me to do with my life. I feel like I'm meant to help people. Like I said, I like to help people. I feel like that's what I'm best at doing. Um, but I especially want to help people overcome things in their lives and give them you know, good advice and 
I feel like I'm, I've got experience with that. So, um, What does it mean to you to be a Christian? Um, to love the Lord and to live for the Lord and um, to just be true. I guess not to your, who you are, but to kind of living and showing people that he, Christ is in you. Um, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. We all do. But to be open about it and to share the love that he, that he gives you. How did you become a Christian? Um, well, I was not raised in church. Um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, I moved back down here in 2017, and my neighbor had invited me to a revival at a um, nearby church. Um, and so I went there, and the preacher was preaching on Psalm 61-2, I believe, is when my heart is overwhelmed. Well, lead me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. and um, Lead me to a what? The rock that is higher than I. And I don't know, the whole service, it was just like, there's so many people in there. But I look back on that, and I'm like, he planned that just for me. I mean, and he would do that for anybody. But um, he planned that just for me. I mean, I moved down here, and I was in... And just bad, I just drugs, alcohol, and that was stuff that I swore I would never do. So I just had completely lost myself. And I moved down here, and he just, he changed my whole life around, really. Um, And I remember the preacher, he, at the end, he said, if you died right now, do you know if you'd go to heaven or not? And apparently I was the only one in that service that raised my hand that I would not go to heaven, um, or wasn't sure if I'd go to heaven. And so... I had accepted the Lord into my heart that night, and ever since then, it's just been, it's not been perfect. I've had a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that, um, but He's always been there for me to guide me, to comfort me, and and it's just been the best years of my life. It's hard, but the best. The woman who runs this place is a Christian. Is that how you found this place? Yeah, so people from my church, um, they are close with her, and they had told me, I don't, I don't know if they had told me about it or if I had seen something about it on Facebook, um, but I, know, I knew her through my, my church family. Um, do you pray now? Yes, I do. How do you pray? It's just like talking to God, like I'm talking to you right now. It, what do you pray about? Anything and everything. I, you know, thank him for my food. Um, that one's just kind of simple, but it's still necessary. Um, talk to him, tell him, you know, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm, I'm tired, and, or I'm happy, and thank you. And, and you know, I had just hit a deer um, on my way home from New York. Like went there during Thanksgiving and hit a deer on the interstate. And I don't know if my car is totaled. I don't know if it's fixable. I'm still waiting to hear from an insurance company. My car is still in Virginia. But I don't know. I think before I would have, you know, been anxious, angry, crying. I don't know. Um, but I couldn't even be any of that. I was grateful. I said, thank you, Lord, for not letting other people get hurt. Thank you, Lord, that we are okay. And it's just a car. And, you know, I had nothing but gratitude in my heart. I don't know. And there's times where I don't have gratitude in my heart. I'm not saying I'm always grateful. and I mean, I'm not perfect. Um, but I don't know. I feel like that's, that's definitely something that's been changed in me is being able to, to thank him even when things are bad. 
you said you were taking care of a little boy who was in the back seat. Who's this kid? Are you do you do it for money or is it a friend or what? Um, so I was babysitting him and his sister in the past. Um, I'm not right now. I still like keep them sometimes or help out or whatever. But he went with you to New York. Yeah. So he's my boyfriend's second cousin, I believe. Um, both of his parents have died. His dad died of, I think it was like stomach cancer or something along those lines. And then um, I think two and a half or three years ago now, his mom died. Um, she was in kidney failure and then she went to heart failure and she died. Um, so him and his sister don't have any parents. My boyfriend's mama is their great aunt. She's raising them, but um, I have the little boy with me a lot. He seems sweet. He is super sweet. He is such a, I don't know, he he makes me mad. He definitely makes me mad, but he brings a lot of joy to my life. Well, thank God you had him in a car seat or buckled in, right? Oh, yeah, and the whole time, can I be, can I, can I just be unbuckled? I want to lay down. We're like, no, you, you've got to buckle up, buddy. You've got to stay buckled. And I turned around um, when we were sitting on the side of the interstate waiting for somebody to come, tow truck, cops, whatever, and I was like, see, this is why we've got to be buckled up. He's like, I know, I know. So he understands it now. He's less likely to argue with you. I don't know. He's a little hard-headed. <laughs> what did he think about the deer hitting a car? Well, his uh, one of his first reactions was, was that a was that a buck or was that an elk? <laughs> <laughs> and you told him what? I said, well, buddy, we're in Virginia, so I think that that was a buck. I'm not sure, though. <laughs> and the deer ran off? Um no, he was on the in the grass in the interstate on the side of the interstate. It was DOA. DOA. Dead on arrival. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, did you get any venison out of this? You know, my sister asked the same thing. She said my boyfriend came and picked us up in Virginia, and she was like, "Well, can he bring like a, a tag and tag it, and y'all can bring the deer home?" I was like, "That's gross. No, and the deer's in chunks anyway, so that's no." <laughs> Some people eat roadkill. Did you know that? Yeah, my boyfriend said fast food. If you're going faster than 35, it's fast food. I said no. <laughs> How long has this guy been your boyfriend? Um, Three years, November the 9th. What do you like about him? Um, There's a lot, really. Um, he's funny. He's smart. Um, when we first started dating, um, he's he's been a Christian since he was like nine, but we had met at church. And when we first started dating, it's he's he's was a good guy. He still is a good guy, but he was a good guy. Tell me a story. What makes him a good guy? Well, he is patient with me. He is sweet. He is caring. He helps me out. Um, I I can be a lot because I'm a female. I will say that. <laughs> I don't know that you can generalize that way. There are females that are very giving and don't require anything yeah i mean you're true you're right but i would say our hormones make us kind of crazy sometimes <laughs> but um when have you ever seen testosterone rage come on yes i i grew up with brothers yes <laughs> um when we had met at church though like he wasn't he was just getting back into church he had went off and you know done his own things in life and so we had met, he was just getting back into church, but I've watched God change him so much. Like, I don't even know. It's just been amazing to watch him grow and, and to get closer to the Lord and stuff like that. He helps me to be a better person. He encourages me in my faith. And 
when I get down and out, he, he, he's there to just kind of support me and he prays for me. And that's probably one of the biggest things is the fact that I know that he does pray for me. I've taken more than 15 minutes. So are you going to, is this going to make your partner there angry? I don't think so. <laughs> um, what is it okay to pray for and what is it not okay to pray for? It's okay to pray for anything. I think some you can pray to hit the Powerball. I mean, I feel like we could. I don't necessarily think God would would allow that. I mean, he might would, I guess, if it's in his will. Um, I think God wants us to come to him for anything and everything, um, pray about all things. Um, now, if it's not in his will, I don't think it's going to make a hill of beans, but he still wants us to talk to him, and he desires a relationship with us. Is there a story you can tell me about a time where you got a very clear answer to a prayer? Well, I had prayed for the salvation of my family since I had gotten saved. Um, And honestly, I kind of started to give up praying for that because it was just... I wasn't seeing anything. I wasn't seeing any any progress or anything. And I try to like talk to them about the Lord, and they say, "Don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear that." Um, you know, stuff like that. But last year, I had had a cyst rupture, and I had to have surgery. It was a year ago, on the, November the twenty sixth, and my mom ended up riding a bus down here. And we are like, it's only been since then that we've actually been close. Like, we've talked a little bit, but we weren't close until she came down here after my surgery and. Christmas Eve, my mom accepted the Lord into her heart, and I was like, oh my goodness, and I just had gotten on fire again about praying for the salvation of my family, and my sister came down in June, she got saved, she accepted the Lord in her heart, and it was just like, oh my goodness, my mom in December, my sister in June, like, so I don't know, I feel like our prayers aren't always answered on our time. Um, God calls us to continue to pray and have faith because what is, I mean, if, if we had gotten everything that we wanted, we wouldn't need to have faith. Um, but I believe it is God's will for everybody to come to know him and, and to trust in him and believe in him. Um, so I don't think that praying for the salvation of our family is out of his will at all. Um, I don't know. I had gotten so discouraged by it, and he just kind of revived that back in me again. What You said you wanted to be a Christian therapist or counselor. What's the difference in getting a degree or training in being a Christian therapist and being a therapist therapist? Um... I mean, really not much other than the fact that, like, to be a Christian counselor, you would go to, like, a faith-based college um, and, like, your classes. You'd still have, like, your site classes and stuff like that, um, but they would be faith-based. So they would, um, like... Well, Well, I guess what I'm getting at is EMDR is EMDR. There's no such thing as Christian EMDR and non-Christian EMDR, other than who's giving it. I mean, it's a protocol. So in what way is the, is the approach or the content different? So I feel like you could still do, like, those types of things, but in, like, your sessions and stuff, um, knowing that they were going to a faith-based, faith-based counselor, um, 
you would be able to do those things, but you'd also be able to talk about scripture and, and praying and um, have different coping mechanisms that involved your faith. If somebody said, don't talk to me about Jesus, could you still treat them and help them? I definitely could, yeah. I mean, that if they didn't want to hear it, I mean, I have had to do that with my siblings, um, but if they didn't want to talk about the faith types of things, um, I could still pray for them. You know, I could still help them. I could still ask the Lord to guide me in how to help them. Um, when I had first gotten into counseling, when I was 16 or 17, after my parents had split up and left, I was seeing a faith-based faith-based counselor and I didn't even know it because she knew that I wasn't in church or a Christian and stuff like that um she'd asked me and she's like have you ever been to church and I was like I have a couple of times but I didn't grow up in church and I think part of it was she talked to me about faith-based stuff but I, I didn't realize it like she wasn't pushy with it um I don't know how to explain it my uncle's or forever like talking to me about their faith and it's off-putting. Um, you have never talked to me about your faith. I know of a restaurant owner in South Georgia who approaches every table and essentially preaches to them about Jesus and ask everyone at the table if they know Jesus as their savior. And it's fucking annoying. Um, it's just irritating. I'm just yeah. here. But it seems to me that you, by the way you wait on tables, are more attractive as a representative of... Jesus the Lord or that particular branch of Christian faith than these people who want to sermonize. What do you think about that? I think people approach in different ways. I think the Lord can use anybody in any sort of way, really. Um, but I don't know. I There's been times that I've gone out um, like around my neighborhood and I've asked people if I could talk to them about the Lord and stuff. They say no. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, I think it's important for Christians to talk about the Lord. Does that mean they'll avoid you if you talk to them about it at once? Will they avoid you? Or can you go on and be friends and be neighbors and that kind of thing? Yeah, we can be friends and be neighbors. Um, I don't know. I think that's kind of hard because I think it's important to talk to people about the Lord. But I don't think that it's okay to push the Lord down people's throats. Um, there's been customers in here that I've talked to about the Lord and... Um, but that's just because, you know, I see them praying or I hear them talking about that. But I don't, it's kind of tricky because, like, I, I, I don't know. It's important to share the gospel, but I don't want to push it down people's throats. You know what I mean? When is it difficult to practice your faith here with customers who are ill? They get ill with you or they get pissed off, they get irritated, they get demanding they snap their fingers when how do you respond to that from a faithful position honestly it's hard because there's times that i want to just snap back um but do you ever i mean i i probably have honestly i'm not gonna lie i'm not perfect i make mistakes um but 
a lot of times it's like the words in the back of my mind like is that showing your love to them you know you don't always have to talk to people about the Lord for them to you know know him you just kind of you just show love and you show kindness even when they they're not um, it's hard to sometimes sometimes you just want to yell at them or throw their food down on the floor in front of them um, I've never done that <laughs> Have you ever seen anybody do that? <laughs> no, no. I have accidentally spilled drinks on people, though. I will say that. How did they receive that? Um, they're like, oh, no, no. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll go in the back and cry. <laughs> <laughs> but the people here are pretty good. They're regulars, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some people sometimes that are ill and stuff, but it's, I don't know. You just got to remember, but everybody's got stuff going on. What are the main things you were thankful for that you thank God for on this particular Thanksgiving? What were the specific things? That I was able to go see my family um, up in New York. Um, My grandma's having some health issues and stuff like that. So it was good. And her birthday was on Thanksgiving this year. Um, Happy birthday. How old? Um... 70-something. Oh, my God. You are a baby. Yeah. (laughs) I don't feel like it. (laughs) Um, I had just gotten over the flu before I went, so I was thankful for my health. Um, That was rough. I don't think I've ever felt so sick in my life. It was awful. Um, Thankful for a job. You know, there's times where it's like, I'm not really an outgoing person. I mean, I come in here and I try to be, but a lot of times when I leave, it's like I'm exhausted because it's, I mean, the physical work is hard, but then it's like the mental work is hard too. Because if, especially if you're not like a people person outgoing, you've got to make yourself be a people person and outgoing. Um, but I'm thankful that I have a job and be able to pay my bills and save a little bit sometimes. Um, I was thankful that nobody got hurt on the car wreck on the way home. Um, I mean, just thankful for another day of life. Um, I predict that if you start asking faith-based programs about ways for you to finish your degree, if that's really what you want, that they will find ways. That we, the, the Quakers had a saying, way will open. And that's a faith-based way of saying, keep putting one foot in front of the other. But you have to ask, like you have to go to those places. Are, are you up for it? That is something I'm not good at at all. I'm not good at asking. Well, just think of it as being curious. Like, I know you probably don't have this, but can you point me to that way? Are you open to that? I feel like I could, but a lot of times I get, I don't know, I get, like, nervous, and then I get, like, I don't know, I feel, like, guilty because there's probably somebody else out there who needs it way more than I do. So, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not good at that. Don't you think God wants you to be the best Hannah you can be? He definitely does. Um, but Your name is Hannah, right? It's Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Both biblical names. You are right. You are correct. <laughs> Where did Hannah come from? Honestly, I'm not sure because I'm pretty sure that I was in the hospital for like two days before my parents named me. They were going to name me Barbara after my great-grandma, so I'm, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> I interrupted before I got to the real answer. Don't you think God wants you to be the best Hannah you can be? He definitely does. I mean, he wants the best for all of his children. Um, 
but I think I get in the own, my own way of that. I think I get in God's way of that. You have to be able to accept what's given and not think that you're taking it away from anybody. This is not a this is not a scarcity kind of I'm taking someone else's place. This is you're accepting what God wants to give you free and clear. Yeah, I mean you're right. It's just I don't know, it's hard. I want I want other people to have things. I mean I want myself to have you know, to resources and to be able to do what I want to do with my life. But I, I don't know. It's hard. I want to push back. I want to call bullshit on that a little bit. Okay. And what I want to say is what you're doing is depriving someone who is desperately needs your therapeutic help. You're playing small. You're waiting tables and saying, this is all I can do when you could be helping someone who is in crisis, frankly, in their faith, in their mental health, and they need you. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, I mean, it's true. I think part of it, too, is, like, self-destruction kind of, I don't know, not like meaning to, but there's a lot of times it's like hard to believe in yourself, I guess. So I don't, I don't know. Who really believes in you? Um, I mean, I, I do, but then there's days that I don't. Um, Who believes in you when you don't? Definitely the Lord. Um, and I think my boyfriend, um, Austin, the little boy, um, he thinks I know everything and can do anything. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm capable. I know that I'm capable, but there's a lot of, like, self-doubt. Like, what if I mess up? Or what if... um, I don't know. Did your mother believe in you growing up? I think so. Um, Really? uh, It was kind of a rough childhood, so I think that's a lot of... Like, our childhoods affect us into adulthoods, and I don't know. It's kind of hard to get into that because... My mom and I are actually kind of close now. Um, so it's like I don't... Have you forgiven her? I have. It took me a long time. And even my dad, like, um, with him getting arrested about a month or so ago, I went um, to get him out of jail. And he was just... It was awful. Um, so it's it's like I'm... Awful as in he was angry or he was in a bad state? He was angry. He was, um, it was just, I don't know how to explain it, but I had a panic attack. Um, I'd gotten pulled over when I was driving with him just because he was like screaming and talking crazy and stuff like that. Um, but at that point, it's like, he is, it's been like that over and over and over again. I grew up with him being an alcoholic, and it's like for the longest time, I thought that I hated him. I thought that I hated my mom, and it's not that. I mean, I've forgiven them and I love them, but it's still hard. Have you been to a Christian counselor yourself? I did. When That was my first counselor. Um, she was a faith-based, faith-based counselor. I don't know why I can't say that. Um, and I didn't realize at first. I do now, and I talk to her a little bit still, not like counseling-wise, but just keeping up in life and stuff like that. Um, but I've not seen one. Actually, I did see one a couple times here in North Carolina. Um, they didn't take my insurance, so I stopped doing that. Sometimes, though, I... I just got to say, I mean, I go and get my nails done. Why can't I 
use that money for my nails to go to counseling because it's important. There's a lot of people who think counseling is not important, but I mean, it is. It I think it's vital. Yeah, I mean, everybody could really benefit from a counselor, honestly. It gives you somebody to talk to, somebody that you can trust. And I mean, there's the HIPAA laws right there anyway, so you know they can't tell anybody else, but it's really somebody that you can confide in. And it can be hard to find one that you connect with, but once you find one that you connect with, it is so helpful. You got a restaurant that's filling up. I don't want to keep you from that. Um, if we got struck by lightning today, and this was the only record remaining of Hannah, uh, what is your legacy? Honestly, I don't. I don't know. I want people to see from me um, the Lord first of all, and that you know life can be hard, and and there's going to be days that you want to give up. I've been there. I've been through the depression, the anxiety, and and the suicidal thoughts. Um, but that your life doesn't have to be that way. You can choose to be happy, um, and the Lord will help you with that if you allow Him to. Um, because I I know that if I kept going my own way, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Um, but there are better days. There is light at the end of the tunnel. You just got to keep pushing and and just keep trusting and believing and just keep doing it. What would that little boy say about you if you were no longer here? Um, if I was no longer here, he would say that he loved me and that he missed me and um, he wanted me to be his mama. I mean, he loves his mama and his daddy. He loves them both. Um, but he'd say that he missed me, that he wanted to play with me, that he missed my pranks. Um, but if you asked him right now while I was still living, he'd first say that I was crazy. <laughs> That's what he loves. <laughs> exactly. I said, that's why you love me. You took 35 minutes for me this morning. God bless you. I feel privileged. <laughs> I feel like I know you a lot better. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I kind of got up in Hannah's business, you know, pushing back. Like I do my kids, like I do a lot of people, but I really feel like she's got a lot to offer this world. And I don't like to get in the advice business or pushing people, but I hope Hannah understands that. I really respect her. I respect her whole warmth and her giving attitude. And um, you really see it because waitresses have to put up with a lot. Thank you, Hannah. In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women. 
A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported manlistening.com in her words, the podcast. Now 204 episodes without a single repeat. That's something. All during COVID, all during travel and vacations and sicknesses of one kind or another, uh, more than, you know, coming up on, um, coming up on four years. It's quite something. Thank you. Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much.